You're called to a hiking trail on a hot, sunny day. There, you find a tearful 24-year-old woman who tells you that she has sickle cell disease. She says she normally takes hydromorphone for pain, but she left her pills at home. She's visibly uncomfortable and has a hard time sitting still in the gurney. She rates her pain 10 out of 10. You're listening to 911Cast, the no-nonsense EMS podcast. This episode is brought to you by Madison Programs, a Brooklyn-based medical training and consulting company with over 20 years of experience specializing in emergency medical continuing education and AHA certification classes like CPR and first aid for community members and professionals. For more information, email madisonprograms at aol.com. I'm Scott Topiel, and this week, it's all about sickle cell. Sickle cell is a group of inherited blood disorders that cause red blood cells to be curved or sickle-shaped rather than round. These misshapen blood cells have a tendency to get stuck in blood vessels and clump together, causing pain, infection, and organ damage. They also don't last as long as regular blood cells, which leads to chronic anemia, hence the term sickle cell anemia. When blood cells clump together and get stuck in blood vessels, this is referred to as a vaso-occlusive crisis. The spleen is often one of the first organs damaged by this. In fact, by the age of four, most sickle cell patients are essentially without a spleen, as it's been effectively destroyed by the disease. Since the spleen is an important part of the immune system, sickle cell patients are at high risk for infections and sepsis. The hallmark of sickle cell disease is pain. This pain often begins as early as six months of age and lasts a lifetime. For many, pain to some degree is a constant presence in their lives. Most of the time, home management is enough to keep it under control, but sometimes it flares up to the point where emergency care is needed. These painful flare-ups, which we used to refer to as a sickle cell crisis, but now call an acute painful episode, are really painful and can be triggered by things like cold weather, wind, low humidity, stress, dehydration, alcohol, and menstrual periods, though in many cases there's no trigger at all. The biggest barrier to providing good care to these patients is us. While acute painful episodes are the most common reason that a person with sickle cell disease will seek emergency medical care, Our own misconceptions often interfere with performing good assessments and providing the right treatment. Come on, let's be honest. It's only natural to think that something's up when your patient tells you the exact name and dose of the specific opioid pain medication that works best for them. After all, can a person that's texting while being wheeled into the ambulance really be experiencing 10 out of 10 pain? Believe it or not, numerous studies have found that the rate of opioid misuse among sickle cell patients is actually lower than the general population. Sure, there will always be some that develop bad habits, but by and large, this simply isn't the case. And as EMS professionals, we really should quit thinking that these patients are just trying to pull the wool over our eyes. So how do you know how much pain they're really in? Ask them. That's right, ask them. The gold standard, as we discussed in episode 4 about pain, is the patient's self-report. There's no vital sign or lab test that can tell you about someone's pain. But surely a person in that kind of pain won't be able to just sit quietly. 
But these patients aren't just people experiencing one-off pain. These are pain experts. They live with this stuff, and they've learned how to cope and adapt. Their pain toolbox is the toolbox of a professional carpenter, not a backyard hobbyist. That means many of these patients have perfected the art of using things like distraction and visualization to help them get through these painful episodes. Okay, so let's talk about treatment. For the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Treat the pain. This means administering opioid analgesics promptly and redosing according to your protocols as needed. Keep in mind that these patients are usually already accustomed to opioids, so protocol-based starting doses will likely be too small to be effective. Don't be afraid to give an additional dose or to consult online medical direction. Most of the literature favors the use of morphine, but if your system has fentanyl, that's fine. In places where Ketorolac is an option, don't use it. Sickle cell patients often have underlying kidney dysfunction, and Ketorolac can cause further kidney damage, so just stay away from it. When it comes to route, IV is the best, but the reality is that many sickle cell patients have had so many IVs that venous access might not always be possible in the field. Not being able to start an IV isn't an excuse for delaying treatment. Many experts recommend administering opioids subcutaneously if possible, though intramuscular will do if that's all your system allows. For those that stock fentanyl, intranasal administration, especially in children, has been shown to be effective for initial management when IV access can't be achieved. Traditionally, routine high-flow oxygen and IV fluid boluses have been given to treat sickle cell pain episodes. The latest recommendations, however, advise against these treatments unless specific indications are present. There's really no benefit to administering supplemental oxygen to these patients unless they show signs of hypoxia such as decreased oxygen saturation. Some studies have even shown potential harm when too much oxygen is administered. Likewise, fluid boluses should only be given if you see clinical signs of hypovolemia. The concept of topping off the tank has fallen out of favor. This makes sense when you consider that underlying kidney dysfunction makes these patients susceptible to fluid overload, leading to pulmonary edema and heart failure. Excessive IV fluid has also been associated with another complication of the disease, acute chest syndrome. Acute chest syndrome is a condition characterized by fever, respiratory distress, and pulmonary infiltrates on a chest x-ray. The condition is very dangerous and is responsible for about 25% of deaths related to sickle cell. It's most commonly caused by fat emboli that result from bone marrow necrosis that occurs during vaso-occlusive crises. It commonly occurs about 48 to 72 hours after an acute painful episode. Acute chest syndrome is a medical emergency and EMS treatment should include treating for hypoxia and respiratory distress while also aggressively treating any pain that's present. The condition can rapidly progress from mild to severe, so be sure to provide ALS transport with close monitoring. Oh, and one more thing. Always be sure to explore other possible causes of pain. You don't want to accidentally overlook a STEMI or acute appendicitis because you just assumed that the pain was part of the sickle cell disease. Now, back to our case. You try unsuccessfully to start an IV during transport in order to administer a dose of opioid pain medication. Since your agency stocks fentanyl, you decide to administer an intranasal dose. 
A few minutes later, the patient tells you that while her pain is still quite severe, the fentanyl at least helped take the edge off. As you wheel her into the hospital, she begins quietly repeating, I see a fuzzy caterpillar. Your partner looks at you and makes a face. The patient notices and tells you that since she was a little girl, she would imagine a fuzzy caterpillar and focus on it to help her through these painful episodes. Sickle cell disease is a lifelong blood disorder that is characterized by misshapen blood cells that often clump up and get stuck in blood vessels, causing severe pain and damage to vital organs and tissues. In addition to pain, sickle cell patients are at an increased risk of infection, sepsis, stroke, seizures, heart attacks, in addition to an often lethal condition known as acute chest syndrome. Opioid analgesics are the mainstay of pain management and aggressive and early pain management is essential to improving the outcomes of these patients. That's it for this episode of 911Cast. We'd like to thank our founding sponsor, OneKit, makers of high-quality first aid kits. Check out their products at buyonekit.com. That's B-U-Y-O-N-E kit.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.